Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And please be sure to follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Like, subscribe, share, hit the little bell, do all that fun stuff. Today... We are very pleased and honored to be joined uh, by Catholic League President and CEO, Bill Donahue. And not that anybody in our audience is going to need an introduction to Bill, but having said that, um, I do want to introduce Bill to those who have not uh, heard of him or the Catholic League. The Catholic League is the nation's largest Catholic civil rights organization. It was founded in 1973 by the late Father Virgil C. Blum, S.J. The Catholic Catholic League defends the rights of Catholics, lay and clergy alike, to participate in American life without defamation or discrimination. Bill is the president and CEO, as I said. He is also the publisher of the Catholic League journal Catalyst, and he has served for two decades on the board of directors of the National Association of Scholars. Bill also serves on the board of advisors of the Washington Legal Foundation, the Educational Freedom Foundation, the Society of Catholic Social Scientists, Catholics United for Faith, the Jewish Action Alliance, Ave Maria Institute, the Christian Film and Television Commission, along with numerous other organizations, winner of several teaching awards and many awards from the Catholic community. Bill has appeared on thousands of television and radio shows speaking on civil liberties, social issues, and religion. Bill Donahue, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thank you, fellas. It's a pleasure to be with you. Bill, we always start with a prayer because all good things start with a prayer, and this indeed is a good thing. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Bill, let's get right into it. While proponents insist that the Equality Act is about ending discrimination, it would, in fact, fundamentally alter the legal definition of sex to include sexual orientation and gender identity. As the Catholic League president, you warned that the Equality Act, and I quote, would promote the most comprehensive assault on Christianity ever written into law. Please explain that statement in detail to our listeners. Sure. Thank you very much for the opportunity to do so. You know, in 1964, the Civil Rights Act was passed largely, but not exclusively, for African Americans. It was to undo uh, a whole years and hundreds of years of injustice and bringing about equality for blacks. Women were also included. Uh, and I and I, I, I want to emphasize that while it was motivated mostly by people like Martin Luther King, they also wanted to address women's rights. Now, it wasn't too controversial at the time. It, it, there were people who said that it was 
It was more, it, there could be a threat to the states because this was federal legislation, but we need not to get into that. What happened if we fast forward to up to today? Uh, we have the whole gay movement and the transgender movement. Now they want to try and piggyback and cash in on the work that blacks did and women did in bringing about the 1964 Civil Rights Act. So what they're saying is this, while the law says it's, we're talking about sex, meaning male, female, they wanted to apply to sexual identity. They also wanted to apply to homosexuals. Well, back in the 1960s, no one was arguing for homosexual rights when they were promoting the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And nobody even knew what the term transgender meant. I mean, we talked about transvestites and, and, and people of that nature, but there was no transgender movement. So for people to today, in 2021, say what they meant in 1964 when they passed this legislation for blacks and women, that they really should have applied it and meant to apply it to us, is simply absurd. But here's the threat, as you mentioned, Joe. Why is this a threat to us? This would promote discrimination, not end it. Let me give you an example. In the legislation, they do something that no piece of legislation has ever done. They literally exempt themselves from another federal law. In 1993, President Bill Clinton signed a law which was promoted by Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, and that was the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, what they call RIFRA. Mm -hmm. It was designed to, make, to lock in religious liberty. That's what it was. It was a grand religious liberty bill. Now they're saying in the Equality Act, we want to exempt ourselves. In other words, if the Equality Act passes, there'll be no protection for religious liberty. Every religious institution, from churches to schools to hospitals, will be treated as if they were secular in nature. Now, we've never seen this before, where you have a federal legislation which already exempts itself from another piece of federal legislation. What would this mean? It would mean that the schools couldn't teach what they want to teach. It would mean that you have, in terms of sports, that the biological boys could compete with girls in athletics and share shower facilities. Now, I'm not making this up. It's in the bill. Bill, Bill, let me, the locker rooms. Let, let me just, just for our audience, okay? So it's right this way. Everybody knows everything we say, we, go, we, you know, we back up. Here it is uh, from the bill itself. Quote, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 shall not provide a claim concerning or a defense to a claim under a covered title or provide a basis for challenging the application of enforcement of a covered title, close quote. So there you go, Bill. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, you're absolutely right. I'm glad that we have to punctuate this and clarify for the people. But what else would it mean? Well, it would mean that, you know, as I say, Catholic hospitals may, may be required to perform abortions. Uh, Catholic doctors who don't want to provide this anatomical surgeries and hormone therapies to, to uh, quit, uh, switch your sexes, they would be forced against their will because there'd be no conscience rights. If you have no religious liberty, then you have no conscience rights. Uh, and, and schools would have to adopt the radical gay agenda as well. Now, look, this bill here is being promoted by people who are all in favor of abortion and demand. It would allow for a partial birth abortion. It, it, it's, it's, it, it allows for genetic engineering. It's not opposed to cloning or anything of that nature. The Catholic Church, of course, has been steadfast. We stand for life. We stand for religious liberty. This bill is a menace to life, and it's a menace to li religious liberty as well. 
let's get to the meat. Yeah, yeah, Bill, we're going to break it all down topic I, by topic. So uh, why would Biden and Pelosi do this? You know, sadly, there's pockets of our uh, population, some of which are Catholic, who are confused about that. You know, Joe Biden is a devout Catholic. Nancy Pelosi says she's a Catholic. Why would she spearhead this? Now, when you're talking about the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, to me, that tells me you're coming right for us, straight up and down. That's the way I see it. And every Catholic should know it. Well, you're right. And on uh, January 20th, Biden's first day in office, Jen Psaki, his press secretary, called him a, quote, devout Catholic. Nancy Pelosi has called herself, quote, a devout Catholic. Now, as I've said many times lately on radio and TV, I'm not going to quarrel with someone in their relationship with the Lord. That's between them and the Lord. However, as a civil rights leader, I have every right to pass judgment on whether or not what you're going to do in terms of public policy will advance or retard religious liberty. There's no question that Nancy Pelosi, who is in the grips of the left-wing, very pro-homophobic and uh, homophobe, you know, they can pull anybody a homophobe who's against them, mm. but they're in the grips of the homosexual transgender uh, community, and they're not going to back down at all. I'm not sure how, how much Biden really knows about the bill, quite frankly. If you asked him about the shower facilities and whatnot of boys and girls in the 10th grade uh, sharing shower facilities, I, I, I'm not so sure he's on his game anymore. So I don't know how much he knows about it. It doesn't matter. He's the president. He gives his imprimatur. Everybody else is making decisions and he's going along with it. And uh, why would why would Biden do it? Because he's in the grip of the left. Pelosi has moved from a liberal to a leftist. And uh, now as far as them being devout Catholics, if you are a devout Catholic in terms of public policy, how then do you explain your your lust for abortion? How do you explain the fact that you're opposed to religious liberty? Uh, quite frankly, if somebody told me that I'm a member of the Klan, but I'm against racism, I wouldn't believe them. You know, it's it's funny. When Rand Paul questioned Cordo, what's, uh, Cordona. Cordona, he called him out. He called him directly out about girls sports boys being able to play on girls sports and you know he passed to me that's a disqualifier i'm a father of four young children under six i have a daughter there is no way that i'm tolerating my daughter showering with a boy in high school. I don't know how any rational American could possibly be for that. I'd love to hear your comments on it. Well, I, obviously, I totally agree, me, but you have to remember this. As we speak right now, Javier Becerra is being considered. There's four hours of debate going on for him to be the new health and, uh, uh, health and human services secretary under Biden. He was asked the question point blank by uh, Mitt Romney. Uh, how do you feel about boys and girls showering and, and the like? And his answer was, well, you know, I, I'm sure that we can find some common ground on things. And, and Romney said, there's no common ground on this. And of course there isn't. Look, I think I've seen the, the latest surveys. The American people are becoming more and more aware of this issue and they're, and they're opposing it. We now have an international group. Here's some good news, people, called the, um, the uh, I think it's called the International no, it's called the Women's Human Rights Campaign. The Women's Human Rights Campaign. I read their declaration. It's 20 pages long. It's excellent. These are women who really are on their uh, ace. They know what's going on. 
and they wait it out. They're totally opposed to this. And I think more and more Americans, once they find out that this works against the privacy rights, the modesty rights of women, it doesn't empower women. It's anti-woman. You've got these people who they're identifying. Well, if I identified as a giraffe, can I now go to the zoo? I'd like to put some of these people in the zoo. For the women. <laughs> Bill, um, and I, and I kind of had a feeling that you coming on the front line with Joe and Joe, we were going to be kind of all over the place. So we're, we're not exactly sticking to the script. There was an additional question I had about um, Becerra and Cardona and, and uh, um, Richard Levine, Rachel, Richard, Rachel Levine. Okay. And Neera Tandon. Um, I was going to ask you with, um, as a, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, Neera Tandon withdrew her nomination for the head of the OMB. As you mentioned, Harvey Bracera, that split in committee that went 14-14, and obviously he is the number one pit bull that the people who are handling Biden want to be there. We know that that position is is mainly because they want the head of the HHS to target the Catholic Church. So he's in a struggle. Now, Joe and I see these as hopeful indicators that Biden and the radical left are not going to get everything that they desire. Talk to us, because you're at the Catholic League, Bill, and you're you're an expert at applying pressure. Tell our audience the importance of applying pressure to these public officials, writing your congressmen, writing your senators. It's not a futile effort. It actually makes a difference, and we could see that with the nominations of Tandon and Becerra. Well, I'd love to talk about that. The Catholic League has taken a position against the Equality Act, against Tandon, and against Becerra. We've won on Tandon. Becerra will be decided fairly shortly. Uh, gets out of, they're going to make a decision to get out of committee to the full Senate. Um, the Equality Act, I'm more confident that we're going to win on that as well, because they, read, they need 60 votes, and I don't think they have the 60 votes. Now, how important is it? At, when the Catholic League, I write the news releases, and at the bottom, like I did today, dealing with uh, Governor Cuomo, not in every news release, but when we have somebody who's offended us, I, we get the email address of some somebody to contact, a press secretary or somebody uh, in a corporation, whoever it might be. And then we send it out to our list, which is quite big. And then people email the person whom we say is the offender. I can't tell you how many wars we have won over the years I may be a general, but I don't, and my staff, we might be, they might be the lieutenants, but we can't win this war without troops. And that's why we put the email contact. And these people who have offended us get, get pounded. Just this, uh, this year, we already got the legislature in North Dakota to say we're not going to go ahead with an, a, a, a bill which would break the seal of the confessional. I heard, yeah. We, we've got, uh, uh, we fought Twitter. And, and succeeded with them when they went to get the Catholic World Report. It does matter. I'll give you a smaller example. Here in New York City, I take the Long Island Railroad to get into work. We came back on Monday, and you couldn't even get on the trains because they changed the schedule. The typical government, they did everything wrong. When nobody was taking the train last year, they didn't adjust the schedule to have less of them. Other people coming back, guess what they do? They adjust the schedule so that nobody can work because they have fewer trains. I made three complaints. One in writing and two with phone calls, and along with obviously hundreds, maybe thousands of other New Yorkers, we got them to change. And on Wednesday, they said they're going back to the old schedule on March the 29th on a Monday. The point is this everybody says, Well, I'm just one person. You, along with the next person, is one person, who along with the next person is one person, and no longer one person. This, this, this becomes a stream. 
This is this is a, a cattle call. This is what you have to do. You change the culture by getting involved. And how do you think we got to this point? Is people on the other side weren't weren't afraid or, or timid of getting involved? We have to make the time. And, and what I'm asking the people, I'm not asking you much. I'm not asking for money, any of that stuff. I'm not asking to write a letter. It's a click. You click the bottom of the news release and you go after the offender and you tell them in one or two sentences if you want about why you, you disagree with them and stop offending Catholics. People have to get involved because if you don't, the other side will. I agree, Bill. And I want to talk about financial boycotts, too. You know, we as Catholics, we're, what, 20% of the population of America? Why do we support these organizations that persecute us outright? Money moves the dial. We all know that. Talk to us a little bit about the importance of that. We have to band together. We shouldn't be supporting these people. No, we shouldn't. But let me tell you, Joe, uh, I am a little sympathetic with some Catholics who throw their arms up on this. Take, for example, big tech, all right? Take Twitter, Google, take uh, Amazon. They're monsters, and they're not on our side. They're not on the side of anybody who stands for traditional moral values. They're against Orthodox Jews and Catholics, practicing Catholics, uh, certainly against evangelicals, uh, practicing Mormons and Muslims, people who believe in traditional moral values. How can you avoid these? I mean, it's sometimes, you know, if it's if it's a smaller entity, I'm with you. I've conducted boycotts rather successfully over the years. But, but when you get these behemoths, they're so enormous and big. I mean, that's where the danger is. And that's why the Congress has to look into this. Where they now have a monopoly. And when they can decide that a book on transgenderism that they don't like by Ryan P. Anderson, Amazon, can cancel you. You can't go to bookstores because Amazon, Amazon killed the bookstores. There's only a few of them left. There's only one chain left, uh, Brian, uh, uh, Barnes & Noble. They killed Borders. They killed the independent bookstores, and, and New York was loaded with them. So we really need some congressional help on this. But I still I, I understand your point, Joe, and I'm not disagreeing. When people see an opportunity, when you can have realistic uh, uh, power, you got to flex your muscles. You got to get involved. You just can't complain over a cup of coffee. Bill, I, I I think it's so important because people like like look at us like when we do our when we do our social media show. It's kind of like some people tag us as conservative Republicans. Okay, no, we're conservative Catholics. We're traditional and faithful Catholics. Um, so we we always we, you know we wanna we wanna hammer that home to people um, that be, be being like that. We can't allow conservative political conservatives to prevent the government from taking the action that you just described because the political conservatives okay a lot of the times like well well we can't do that we can't let the government do anything even a targeted limited yet effective response to some of the things like like trying to break up the monopolies of big tech or having to do with section 230 okay of the communications act conservatives right away well, no, no, no. We're against that. We can't give the government the power to do that. We really have to dispel that. We have to we have to shout down the conservatives a little bit, too, and let them know, no, there are times, many times, where government action is not only justified, but it's necessary. Well, we're, exactly. We've had antitrust uh, legislation for a long time in the SEC, and they busted up the big banks and, and others. Sometimes when they get that big and they become a threat. So, yeah. And, and by the way, I'm glad you mentioned that, that you're, that you're a conservative Catholic. Thank you. You speak for me as well. I am a I am an independent. When I first voted, I was a Democrat, and then I got fed up with them, and I became a Republican. 
And then I got fed up with them and I became an independent. And I've not, not changed at all because as a Catholic leader, I know both parties have tried to court me. And once they think they have you, they own you, they can just walk away. No, I got to keep them honest and uh, uh, I'll make up my mind uh, as, as things go on. But yeah, people have to see this for what it is. Look, the libertarians would be the ones most exercised about the idea of busting up big tech. But I am not a libertarian, I'm a social conservative. And, and, I, and I see the threat that they're making to freedom of speech and to freedom of religion. Uh, right now, they're acting like a quasi-government. And that's why, why conservatives need to, uh, need, need to wise up, because they're not going to be any conservative voice left if you, if you want to hold on to these uh, principles, which made sense more in the past, but not in today's behemoth corporations. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about big abortion and Planned Parenthood. Melanie Israel of the Heritage Foundation warned that the sexual orientation and gender identity uh, uh, curriculum in public schools could become yet another marketing tool for Planned Parenthood. Bill, we'd love to hear your comments on that statement, but also what is Planned Parenthood attempting to get out of this legislation? Money, because Planned Parenthood, I've been writing about this and looking into it very much lately, uh, Fortunately, here's the good news, folks. There are less abortions being performed today. The bad Amen. news and Clarenton is some of the revenue then is drying up. So they found a new cash cow. They've ne they're now big time, and they're going to get even bigger. They want to take over the whole transgender movement, which is the exploitation of women. People should know this. 70% of the young kids who are transitioning are girls. They started out with boys. And these girls are getting together on weekends, laughing together, and this might be cool. They don't know what's happening to them. Hormone therapy is being injected in them for the, for the rest of their life. They don't even want to let their parents know. Now, I'm going to be fighting here in New York State a curriculum, which, which uh, I haven't written about this yet, but I'm going to. I've been in touch with some, some Jewish uh, friends of mine. They're going to look at it as well. It would make your head spin. It's this transgender movement, so to speak, is out of control and the danger that it's doing, I consider it child abuse. I wanna be very clear about that. I consider it child abuse, that you would allow a minor to be transitioning from one sex to the other without the parents notifying them. Because any, any, any sensible, responsible parent wouldn't accept it. That's what we're faced with in this country. They don't believe in parental rights. They don't believe in religious rights. It's an attack, it's a full uh, uh, assault on us. And the Democratic Party is leading it and Planned Parenthood is the cash cow, the latest one on the, on the uh, scene. You know, I, I just want to say, which I can't, again, as a father of four under six, how can adult, an adult, a principal of a public school, stare across his desk and look at a child and basically encourage that child to transition to the opposite sex? How could that person go home and look at his wife in the face? As a father... That enrages me. And that's not, and that, again, we try to emphasize, Bill, on the show all the time, I would say to any fathers out there who voted for Joe Biden, okay, that's irrelevant. Do you want your 14-year-old freshman daughter who's on the soccer team in the locker room or the shower with a 17-year-old senior male who, who thinks that he's a girl? And if the answer to that question is, it's okay with me, I, 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 I have to question you as a parent, but my question would be, how much are parents' rights usurped um, in this legislation? To what extent? I mean, because it seemed to me on my reading, 
This is very, very bad for parents. Well, it is, but you know, the thing is, how, how many, I mean, your show and other shows like that, uh, God bless you for talking about it, the average person doesn't even know that this is in the bill. They don't even know what this is about. They hear the term Equality Act, and what they hear and then what they get from Facebook is, this will put an end to discrimination against gays and against transgender people. They never talk about this. They never talk about the religious liberty implications. When you ask people in surveys, I have a doctorate in sociology and I study this stuff pretty carefully. When you ask people in surveys, are you in favor of this? They're not in favor of it. As a matter of fact, the latest survey which just came out showed that millennials are way, almost six out of 10 now, are opposed to uh, what's going on with this. And the more people learn, a lot of it is an education uh, situation. They just don't know. And people like the Biden administration want to keep people in the dark. They only talk to you about the rosier aspects of the law. They don't talk to you about the Equality Act as we are talking about it today. We are giving an accurate representation. We do it by bullet point in the Catholic League. I know exactly what's going on in this, and they don't want to talk about it. What you have here is a crime of omission. They won't talk about it. They want to keep people in a state of ignorance. And certainly the media is going to get right on board with that. We know yep. that. Uh, so actually, we're going to, Bill, we're going to go to a break in about four minutes. While we're on the subject of big abortion, okay, uh, perhaps you could break this down for our audience. Part of what we're seeing here is, um, well, here, let me ask you like this. What the heck is pregnancy discrimination? And how is this going to affect medical professionals who have conscience objections to performing abortions? And remember, the words pregnancy discrimination is not a made-up word by JoJo and Bill Donahue. It's in the bill. What is that, Bill? Well, they don't want to offend the transgender people. I, I, let me let me tell you, so you're not going to believe this. This happened to me as recently as last Friday. I went to a place in Long Island, Northwell, to get my first shot. It's a Pfizer shot. I had to go through two uh, lines. The first lady said to me, "Go to. Uh, uh, do you have a fever? You know, do you have this and that? Boom, boom, boom. Typical questions. And the last question was, are you pregnant? So I started to laugh, and she did too. I just thought, well, she's just in a hurry, and she went through the questions the late Friday afternoon. Then I went to the next room, and another woman, a nurse, asked me a series of questions. The last question was, are you pregnant? I said, well, I hope not. And then I realized <laughs> this, this, this was not a mistake. They are told. They are being dictated to. Otherwise, they'll lose their job. They're being told that even though I'm an older guy, I'm a senior citizen, no one's ever expected me, looked at me as being a, a woman, they're told that you have to ask every male-looking person whether or not you, you might be pregnant because they might consider themselves transgendered. This is madness on steroids. And we now know the Looney Tunes in Greenwich Village and on the college campuses. We now have the medical community involved in this full force. Bill, what, what happened to science? Isn't it about science? Everyone talks about science. That to me doesn't sound like science, asking a man if he's pregnant. I didn't go to med school, but I don't want a doctor who thinks that looking at me. That's all I have to say. Well, that's just it. I mean, you know, the term science is, is being belittled. I mean, I know that as a social scientist, as a sociologist, I don't think too highly. Uh, I call it a discipline. I, there's not much science left. It's mostly politics. Unfortunately, it's even creeped into the natural sciences. You know, because we've yeah. covered this on other shows. Uh, uh, Johns Hopkins University has talked about young people who transition. Right. And basically, uh, I think it's Dr. McHugh. His Was name it Paul right. McHugh's? He basically said that 70 to 80% of those people who basically have those inclinations when they're young lose them. 
yet they ignore that science. I'd love to hear your comment. We have two minutes before the break on that. Well, he's a great man, and he's also said that they that most of these people are homosexuals, and they will transition back uh, away from this idea that they're changing sexes. And he says what they're suffering from is mental illness. That's his term, not Bill Donnie's term. I'm not a psychiatrist. He is. I'm a sociologist. We're making a healing about mental illness. Now, what we're doing is, if you've taken a look by generation, uh, the percent of people who transition, the older the generation, the smaller the percentage. Now it's ballooned. It's become a cultural phenomenon. We are mass producing these people. These are young girls, as I said, 70% of the people transitioning are girls wanting to be boys. And they don't know what they're getting into. And now the parents are gonna be left in the dark and they wanna get really young, young kids. They asked this one uh, uh, guy who was up or girl, whatever it is, uh, the Biden administration. And he, she said, uh, I, I couldn't answer it. They couldn't answer how, how young you'd have to be before they would object. This is child abuse, and we have to call it by what it is. Stop dancing around it. It's child abuse that you would allow a minor to be transitioning without the, the knowledge of the parents. That's child abuse. And, and it's important that you're saying that, Bill, because people need to know that, that Richard Levine refused to answer that question, and Rand Paul was very, very yes, clear. He was. Are you in favor of genital mutilation? He cited the U.N., we're, we're no fans of the UN, the WHO. We're no fans of the WHO. That's those. That's their leftist organizations. Nonetheless, Rand Paul gave him that information. All right, and he refused to answer the question. Let's go to a break, Bill. Uh, you're listening to the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. We're with Bill Donahue, and we're talking about the Catholic League. We're talking about the Equality Act and everything that we need to know about it. Stick around. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. Catholic radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. We are way, way, way in the breach with Bill Donahue from the Catholic League, and we're breaking down really a lot more than we thought. We're not going to stay only on the on the Equality Act, but we're we're hitting that the culture war, everything else, things that are going on uh, under the Biden administration. So very, very important, very, um, very exciting conversation. So we thank Bill Donahue for being with us. Remember, you're listening on 1350 on your AM dial. Be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Network mobile app and follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe, I'm kicking it over to you. Bill, I want you to demolish this common argument. We hear it constantly. I'm personally pro-life, but I, I don't have a right to impose my values on others. We hear this constantly. Could you comment on that? You know, they, they act like as if they're talking about anchovies or something. I mean, we're talking about life issues. If I said to somebody, I, I am personally uh, opposed to slavery, but I'm not going to object if you want to own one. Now, people would say, well, no, you're in favor of slavery. Because if something is a moral wrong, then it's incumbent upon you to do something about it to stop it. Now, what we have are people like uh, Sister Carol Keehan, who's very soft on abortion. She won't come out against this. We have Sister uh, uh, Simone Campbell of Network. Oh. She said that abortion should not be made illegal. 
I guarantee you she thinks that racial discrimination should be illegal. I think racial sh discrimination should be illegal as well. I also think abortion should be illegal. These people now are not just soft on abortion. They're just simply saying that we, we, we're not going to have a problem with it. They do think capital punishment should be illegal, but not abortion. So save the serial rapist, but let's don't let the, 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 the honest kid have a right to life. Uh, no one believes. This started, by the way, in 1984. I mean, I'm dealing now with the situation in New York with Andrew Cuomo, uh, who's, in, who's really in trouble now, now that he's been accused of sexual assault, not just uh, in, inappropriate comments. And, and 59 Democrats have now come out and said he has to go. Uh, his father, Mario, 1984, the campus, University of Notre Dame. He's the oh, one who gave the infamous speech, which said, I am personally opposed to abortion, but I don't, I can't impose my views on anybody else. Well, let's see now. Isn't Joe Biden taking the same position? Isn't he imposing his views in the Equality Act? Didn't he work with Obama in imposing the HHS mandate, forcing the little sisters of the poor to pay for abortion-inducing drugs in their health care plan? Plan? Don't tell me that you're, uh, you're you're against imposing your views. Nobody wants to impose their views more than the left. No, what we're simply saying here is that if it's a moral evil, such as racial discrimination, such as slavery, such as genocide, such as abortion, you have a moral duty to oppose it with the force of the law and not just through rhetoric. You know, Absolutely. you mentioned you mentioned abortion. It's not just abortion. It's radical abortion. I want our listeners to know this, that we are one of seven nations on the globe that are that permit third trimester abortion. You could abort a child in America the day before the child is born. And in New York, under your governor, okay, and we get on him on our show a lot, Bill, because he just does a lot of outrageous things. That law that he passed, okay, along with the, I guess it was with the state legislature in New reproductive. York, the Reproductive Rights Act, whatever you want to call it. That, that has, that, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been doing this for a lot longer than we have. That's the most pro-abortion legislation that's been ever put forth in this country and signed into law, even on the state level. And that bill even says, not only like Joe said, that a baby could be killed the day of, the, the day of their birth, it doesn't even have to be a doctor. Is that pro-woman? How could you possibly look a woman in the face and say, I am for you, and I am not going to basically permit a doctor by law to take a child out of a woman's body when she's eight months pregnant? You're going to look me in the face and tell me that. What are your thoughts on that, Bill? If, if I were if I were a, a misogynist and I hated woman, I would say, let's do that. Uh, you know, it was Mary Ann Glennon, the Harvard Law Professor. She's on the Board of Advisors of the Catholic League, who in the 1980s did research for a book about abortion around the world. She was surprised to learn, only about 10 years out from Roe v. Wade, that the United States had the most liberal abortion laws in the world. She thought it might be Scandinavia. No, we do. And now some others have caught up to us since that time. But you're right. I mean, what, what, I hope the, the, the listeners understand. Partial birth abortion means that the baby's skull is smashed, okay? The baby is 80% born. And that's how you get the baby out of the woman's birth canal. And they kill the baby. They let the baby die. Infanticide is legal in New York and in Virginia. That's right. Because when the baby is born of a botched abortion, you are not allowed to, you, you, you don't, you have, I just wouldn't say you're not allowed. You have no medical imperative 
to treat the baby. You can allow the baby to die in the doctor's table in Virginia and in New York. That's infanticide. We're no longer talking about killing children. We're talking about killing infants under Northam in Virginia and Cuomo in New York. So it always goes beyond even abortion, second term, third term, partial birth. We're now into infanticide. This is Nazi-like kinds of uh, tactics. I, I agree a thousand percent. And listen, it's it, it, and I'm glad you said it like that, Bill, for the reason like this. They're the ones that are always throwing around names. They throw around Nazi and fascist and racist and this and that. And none of when they use it, it doesn't mean anything. When you said that about them just now and you liken them to Nazis, didn't the Nazis do the same damn thing? Didn't they do the same thing when it came to eugenics and operations on people who, who uh, let's say, they used in uh, these, these tests and, and experiments and laboratories? Um, they did that to the Jews. I mean, it, 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 any sensible person has to say, well, sounds a lot like Nazism to me. Well, that's right. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the Catholic Church, of course, was opposed to that. It was, it was opposed to the euthanasia campaigns as well. And after the war was over, the Nuremberg trials, you had the Nazis there on trial, and they said, well, why did you do this? Well, we were following orders. And quite frankly, they, it's true. They were following orders. So how could you convict somebody who was legally following orders? The only way you could do it is by, by invoking natural law. The judges didn't use the term natural law, which is not uh, really coined by Aristotle, but it was Aquinas in the Catholic Church, which developed it in a rich way. So they had to say, well, no, just because you say you were following the law, that's not enough to exempt you. You knew in your heart of hearts that it was morally wrong to kill an innocent human being. So in other words, they were able to convict the Nazis by invoking Catholic principles. <laughs> that they couldn't have followed it any better. The people who hate the Catholic Church, you're opposing your views. Why did they use the Catholic principle of natural rights and natural law to, to kill the Nazis? And, 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 and I mean, it, it, we've been right all along on these issues. We were right in, in opposing abortion. Remember in 1973, who was with us in terms of religious communities? Jews weren't with us. Protestants, people have to remember, including evangelicals, were not with us. They were on the side of Roe v. Wade. They changed, thank God, in the 1970s when everything flipped. I remember teaching in Spanish Harlem in a Catholic elementary school religion to the kids, and Roe v. Wade had just been decided that same year that I started, 1973. And I remember two guys who were talking about how abortion is genocide against black people. One of them was by a guy by the name of Senator Edward Kennedy, and the other one was Reverend Jesse Jackson. Of course, in no time, they became enthusiasts for abortion rights. I mean, this is a very ugly story. If you're a principled person, you know, as the Catholic Church did from the beginning, you didn't have to learn it from somebody, that the killing of, 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 of a baby in the womb is a form of child abuse. And, you know, Bill, I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it. Everyone's talking about racism. People should know black babies are killed more by far by Planned Parenthood than white babies. This is a fact. This is a fact. No one says anything. You mentioned Jesse Jackson. Where is he now on that statement? Why isn't he saying that? Why isn't he saying that? Planned Parenthood from the beginning supported uh, eugenics. Why is those mills, those abortion mills, where are they? They're not in Darien, Connecticut. They're not in Greenwich, Connecticut. They're, not in Bergen They're in County, the New South Jersey. Bronx. 
They're in Spanish Harlem. And no one says boo. No one says a word. Yeah, we're the racists. Because we want to protect black and brown babies who, yes, are being disproportionately killed in abortions. We are the racists. They want to keep abortion legal, which does that, and they're good and noble. It, it's, it's a whole idea, Bill, of good and evil, good being called evil, even evil being called good. Those, that seems to be what we're going through right now in this culture war. Well, that's interesting. You know, this actually goes back to, oh, at least the 60s and 70s, when, believe it or not, the Republicans were the party which was pro-abortion. That was the WASP uh, solution to the urban problem. Mm. We have too many of these people, meaning too many blacks. So what we're going to do is going to put the Planned Parenthood uh, clinics in their neighborhood, funded by the Rockefeller Foundation, funded by the Ford Foundation. This has been the elite way. Now, they consider themselves not racist. We're the racist. They, they are very tolerant people. They're the ones funding the clinics in the black neighborhoods to get rid of blacks. Now, the good news is more and more people, white and black alike, particularly in the black community, are learning about this, and they're not too happy. Margaret Sanger was a racist from the very beginning. She said we have to get rid of, quote, the weeds. Those were her exact words. We have to get rid of the weeds in the black community. And the way we do it is through birth control. To her credit, at the time, she was not in favor of abortion, but Planned Parenthood, which she founded, evolved into a champion of that. In 1963... I was on with Phil Donahue a number of years ago. Sitting next to me was Gloria Felt of the Planned Parenthood. I said, I read a statement that a baby in the womb is, is a human being, et cetera, from the very beginning. And, and, and Phil Donahue and, and Gloria Felt from the Planned Parenthood said, well, we don't agree with that. Who said that? And I had it with me, the evidence. I knew they'd be suckers, and I showed it up on TV. Planned Parenthood in 1963 recognized that abortion was the killing of a human being. And I have the evidence of it. Ten years later, in 1973, they're all in favor of it. And then the people who were pro-life became abortion enthusiasts, and the abortion enthusiasts, uh, it's it, 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 an incredible story. But I, you're right. I work with the black and, and, and brown people, and they were wonderful kids in Spanish Harlem. And I looked them in the eye, and I said, there are people who want to get rid of you, but they claim to be your friend. Mm. You know, know what it is, because we talk about this on our show all the time. You know, the science has just been so, it's so clear that it's a child. It's so clear with sonograms. You could even have like 3D sonograms. I mean, no one is going to tell me that that's not a baby, but they don't care about that science. What it comes down to, and this is what I always say, Bill, it's about sex. You see, as Catholics, we believe that sex should only be within the marriage covenant. We believe that. We also do, are not for contraception. This is a belief of the Catholic Church. Our culture cannot put down its behavior, and they're willing to kill children for their pleasure. And that's what it is. I say it all the time, and I don't parse words with it because that's what it is. It's about sex, and I will not give up my comfortable life, even if it means I have to destroy my child. I'm interested in your view on that. I say it constantly. No, I mean, I see the evidence all the time. Take a look at the intersection between the pro-gay community, pro-gender, uh, transgender community, and the pro-abortion community. The head of Catholics for Choice, an anti-Catholic pro-abortion organization today, is Jamie Manson. She's a lesbian, a lesbian activist. Now, why would you have a lesbian activist 
promoting the wonders of abortion because they're all tied together. It's all about sex. That's what it is. It's always about sex. Almost everything that we deal here at the at the at the people that it, it, you know that is religious liberty questions in terms of the right to uh, a Catholic agency having the right to bring to, to deny gays even back to that again uh, the right to to, to uh, be adoptive parents and that's where they all work together and they're funded by the major corporations. Uh, you know, if it weren't for the Ford Foundation, Catholics for Choice usually previously Catholics for a free choice, wouldn't even be in, 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 in operation today. And you got the Tide Foundation, you have George Soros, who has his hands into everything, funding every one of these organizations. What we're looking about is the, is, is this, is the sexualization of our society. They want to get to the kids. They want to tell them, as I'm going to be fighting, as I mentioned before, in New York State, to let them know in kindergarten, if you think you're a boy, you may be, but you may not be. They talk about your assigned sex. Mm. Nobody assigned me sex, right? And you're either a boy or a girl. It's binary. Now, you may believe in something else, but that's part of your own delusion. As I've said many times uh, on radio and TV, I'm going to say it again. A lot of people, if you want to play this game with me, then a lot of people, and live in your world of fiction, a lot of people look at me, they say, you're a big Irishman. I said, no, you're wrong. I identify as a Chinese dwarf. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. You know, I want you to comment on Bostock a little bit, because Alito said something in the dissent that actually troubles me, and I think this is where the Catholic Church down the road is going to get into trouble. You can no longer say that I believe in traditional marriage in basically polite company. Obviously, this is a pervasive idea amongst the Jews, amongst most mainstream Protestants, amongst Catholics, amongst amongst the, the nation of Islam. I mean, marriage is between a man and a woman. And Alito said when that passed, basically, in the Supreme Court, he said, we are going into dangerous territory. You can only now say that, and I'm, I'm basically paraphrasing his words, at your kitchen table. I, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, Bill, I think this is where they're going to come for us. I think this is where they're going to come for us, and I think we're in trouble on it. Could you comment on it? Well, as a sociologist, I can tell you that the two justices, well, not justice, one guy's not a justice, but two greatest legal minds, uh, two of the greatest legal minds, of my uh, lifetime would judge Robert Bork and Samuel Alito. They they think like sociologists. They go way beyond the law. They're brilliant in the way they understand things. Unfortunately, Judge Gorsuch, who's a good man, he's usually right, he botched that decision. No, Alito was right. And the evidence is this. You couldn't become a tenured professor in any college or university in the country, always allowing for a few exceptions. If you were to say to the tenure committee, that I believe that a, a biological man cannot transition. You either XX or XY chromosome. You're, it's fixed by nature and nature's God. And that, and, and if you said something of that nature, or if you believe that marriage should be between the only two people in the world who can procreate, namely a ma- one man and one woman, not two men and one woman, not not two men, not two women, then you could not get tenure. So it doesn't. I'm, I've said it, and I'm going to say it again. There is more free speech allowed in your local pub than there is in your local college campus. 
Absolutely. You speak, you speak about college campuses. This is what the president of Franciscan University, he warned. This is, again, getting back to the Equality Act. He basically said that it the, the act does not ensure equality for our faculty who would not be allowed to proclaim the truth about human dignity and sexuality. Now, we all know that Franciscan University is a very good Catholic university, but he's saying that now the government is going to go into a private institution and basically tell them how they're supposed to teach. That is, again, a scare. This doesn't sound like America to me, Bill. I'm going to be honest with you. I sit here, you know, I'm not a scholar. Joe and I, our show, we're regular guys and we speak to the regular man. I sit here as a regular guy living in the suburbs, working hard. My father was a barber. Joe's father was a teamster. I work hard. I take care of my kids. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, I sit there and I say to myself, what is going on in this country? Yeah, so really talk about that, Bill, because where are our First Amendment protections, especially, especially if this monstrosity gets passed? Well, I do agree with the President Franciscan. He, he, he said it correctly. Um, I do believe that if the Equality, first of all, the Equality Act, thank God, may not be able to succeed as long as we have filibuster. Hope Manchin doesn't change on that, because I don't think they'll be able to get 60 votes in the Senate. However, just for the sake of argument, let's say it did become law. The reason why the President Franciscan is correct is because of one reason. The law exempts itself from the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, basically denying us the religious liberty protections that we deserve. Now, I will say this, because of the makeup of the court, and particularly the last three appointments by Trump, if this were to become law, and if they were able to get away with actually exempting themselves from another federal law, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, I believe that we would win in the courts, but why should we have to go through this? Mm. Why should we have to jump through all these hoops? These people are the enemy of religious liberty. They're only interested in sexualizing our society. They've done a great job. When I was a kid, back in the 1950s, growing up in New York, abortion was illegal. And there was very few of them, by the way, not just, you know, as for the so-called back alley. There were very few of them. Sex education didn't even exist. And, and, the, and the pill did not come on the market until 1960. And there were prayers in schools. And there were prayers in schools. Now we ban the prayers. You, you can have uh, most progressive uh, sex education in the world. You can, you can, you can get an abortion anytime you want. Uh, you know, everything, everything goes. The, the, it's, 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 it's incredible. Why is it that all these things which were supposed to curtail D's and illegitimacy, how come it, it, it didn't? It's it, it, the idea that uh, education alone uh, solves the problems uh, is, is madness. It depends on if it's morally based or not. You know, I, we say this on our show, Bill, um, all the time. This is a spiritual battle. I mean, I really believe this. Our nation has thrown God out of its life. I mean, you know, you don't have to be a scholar to figure a lot of these things out. My grandmother had a fourth grade education. If you told me, told her that a boy could transition into the body of a girl, she'd tell you where you were crazy. It, there's, there's a certain amount of wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've lost this. Our nation is turning from God. I, I, I actually, I believe this. I, you know, I learned a lot from the Trump administration. I put too much 
faith in in basically it. You know, I'm I'm not doing that anymore, Bill. I have to like get. I'll be honest with you. I think our nation needs saints. We have to turn the attention of America back to God. It seems to be that's the only way that we're gonna we're gonna get through this. And then obviously we get our heads on straight, and then we can have an influence on the politics and the culture. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of God, speaking of the Almighty, um, I wanted to ask you this: You're on the board of advisors for the Jewish Action Alliance, and you're very well known to communities of people who don't necessarily share our Catholic faith. However, they do see the dangers ahead, not only with the Equality Act, uh, but with the Biden regime in general. What are you hearing, Bill, from some of these groups? Joe and I would be particularly interested in the reaction to uh, to all this from conservative and orthodox Jewish communities, because we did uh, an interview a a few months ago with Rabbi Yehuda Levin, and he was having none of this. And this was before the Equality Act was front and center. What are you hearing from the Jews in particular, but but any other groups you care to mention? Well, one of my good friends is Reverend Rabbi uh, Ari Spiro, and you'd love him and his wife, uh, Beth Galinsky. And I just heard from him today on this issue. We are standing together. And I do think we need more of a religious coalition across faith lines here. Um, not necessarily it could be the, the clergy, uh, that's fine. But I think the lay people have to get involved. Orthodox Jews, practicing Catholics, evangelical Protestants, many Mormons and and Muslims need to come together. Don't forget, those five groups I just mentioned were able to defeat Proposition 8 in California. uh, And yet, of course, they they ratcheted up on gay marriage, and we had the elites come in in in, in the courts. So we can't change everything. But there's got to be that. Can I just address something quickly here about what Joe said before about uh, somebody in his family, I think it was, who, who had common sense and they knew this stuff? In, in 2019, Ignatius Press published a book of mine called Common Sense Catholicism. And I tried to explain what happened to freedom, equality, and fraternity, the three goals of the French Revolution, and how we got corrupted. Where did this idea come from, that you a man and you could become a woman? It came by the, from the intellectuals, the people who believe in utopia, who can solve every world problem on the blackboard until they leave the classroom, and they don't believe in nature, and they don't believe in nature's God. And my argument is this. If you reject the be- a belief in human nature, and if you reject a belief in nature's God, then everything is possible. Then you can have three sexes, ten sexes, you, you, you can have 20 wives, you could consider yourself to be a giraffe, whatever it is, because you, you're in rebellion. This is madness, and the madness was created in the academy, in the colleges, by some of the best minds. I think they're fools, and, 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 and these people have become unhinged, and if they were so smart, they wouldn't run for me every time I want to debate them. No, that's right. That's right. And, and that's one of the things they don't like, because debate is something that they're not going to oh, be no. able to stand up against. We yeah. got about, Joe, we got about five minutes left. So no, I just wanted to like along those same lines, though, a lot of people I'm not going to get into, uh, you know, how many votes, but a lot of people voted for Joe Biden. And to me, it was very clear that he stood for this stuff. And I say to myself, again, as just a regular guy, I don't understand you. I don't understand you. You know, Catholics, we don't impose ourselves on others. We propose Jesus Christ. That is what we do. You are imposing yourself on me and my family. That is what you are doing. And that is not right. 
That is not an American idea. This country was not founded on that idea. People fleed England to come here because of that. And that's what's going on. And it, Bill, I'm going to be honest with you. It flabbergasts me how people could vote for some of this stuff. I sit there and I am dumbfounded. I think if more people knew the content of what Biden proposed, they wouldn't have voted for him. Remember, COVID was a blessing to him. I mean that in the sense that he was able to successfully run a campaign from his basement. He never, to this day, not when he was running, not today, as president, has been on a Sunday morning talk show. He is not at a press conference. He doesn't talk to the people about anything. There are a lot of people who like Trump's policies, or maybe they didn't like them, but they didn't like his persona because he could be abrasive and offensive. And that was enough reason for them to vote for Biden. They didn't know anything about him. They figured, well, you know, he was vice president under Obama. It may not have been the best, but he wasn't the worst. We'll probably be Obama, too. They didn't realize that this is not Obama, too. The most hardcore left-wing activists are, have staffed the Biden administration. And now the latest poll by Rasmussen this week shows that 50% of the American people do not believe that Biden has the physical or mental, I want to underscore, or mental capacity to continue as president. Uh, he doesn't know Tuesday from Thursday. Yeah. And that's why he doesn't subject himself to the press. We don't know about his schedule. We don't know about who he talks to. He didn't talk to Morrison, the head of Australia. He didn't talk to no, Macron. He didn't talk to Bibi Netanyahu. He had Harris doing his work for him. Oh, no, I don't think the American, they're just starting to wake up to, what in the world did I vote for? Yeah, Bill, um, we have a couple minutes. Um, real quick, in 60 seconds, we're about solutions at the front line with Joe and Joe. In your view, outside of politics, what can Catholics do to, to you know, fight against not only the Equality Act, but everything that's going to be thrown our way over the next four years? Well, they can begin in their local community, and if they haven't run for school board, maybe they ought to find somebody, if it's not them, uh, to run. Somebody who can – the left stacks themselves into everything. They get into every committee in the schools and, and begin by trying to save your schools. And, you know, some of the people might say, well, my kid goes to a Catholic school. I like the Orthodox Jews in Jewish areas of New York who then get on the school boards of the public schools. And they say, no, we have a right to affect the public schools too, but that will ultimately affect my kid who goes to yeshiva. We have to get more involved. We don't have to, we can't be insular. And if it's not you, make sure you you, you you get together with your friends and you decide who among you is going to get involved. We can't just sit back and say and, and complain anymore. The other side is very active. I know people are oversubscribed. You got to find at least one person who can do it. You, you, you've got to get involved because the elites are running everything. The ruling class, including a lot of the corporate world, is, is, is are working against traditional moral values. Absolutely. Bill, where can people get, uh, get in touch with the Catholic League, get on your mailing list, support you, uh, let everybody know where they can find you? On the website, www.catholicleague.org. Or just type in Catholic League. You'll find it. We have a, a website which is rich with thousands of pages of information. We keep you up to date on everything. And uh, I think once you get on with uh, us, don't want to click at the bottom too with some of these news releases and find out who's offending us and let your voice know. You can begin with that. We fight anti-Catholicism every day. Absolutely. And Joe and I get a lot of our stories from the Catholic League. I signed up. Give them your email. You'll get you'll get you'll be kept abreast of all these things. 
Bill Donahue, we want to thank you for being on the front line with Joe and Joe, and thank you, dear brothers and sisters, for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Network, bringing the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York metropolitan area at 1350 on your AM dial. For all Veritas content, please be sure to download our Veritas Catholic Network mobile app. Also, be sure to follow Joe and I on Facebook and YouTube until they shut us down, of course. Like, subscribe, share, hit the little bell, all that fun stuff. You can find us at the front line with Joe and Joe. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.